Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Not only is this a Morn Hammered, but we are looking at each other during. Had to do it. Had to break out the big faces for this one. <laughs> Peek behind the pod. It's two in the afternoon. Dozens of friends of DeSoto watching here in this studio audience. They've yeah. been advised to be utterly silent. Uh, Morn Hammered episode. It's been a long time since we've done one of these classic power hour rules. Yeah. A shot of your favorite sipping beverage, either a porch beer or a or a seltzer or, or what have you. A shot of that every 60 seconds. It equals what? Like just over six beers? I thought it was six. just over five. Okay. If it's just over six. That's a lot. I mean, <laughs> we'll see if we're getting the home pour here. Yeah. From Benjamin R. Harrison. Well, unlike past Power Hours, um, friends of DeSoto have been kind enough to send along shot glasses. So, Ben, what are we drinking? Okay, so uh, I brought out uh, a couple of Modelo Especiales, and then I brought out some uh, Topo Chico hard seltzers in an assorted pack of different flavors. Is it a regulation Power Hour if we switch drinks midway through? Do you know? We're in communication with the board as we mm-hmm. speak about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Much like the Marquis of Queensbury regulation surrounding boxing, there is a sanctioning body that oversees power hours. And uh, yeah, we're the. I think they're kind of in deliberations right now. I did a power hour back in the day in college. I've probably told this story where we thought it would be fun to try it with B to the E, which was... I think this is basically the same era as Four Loco. Mm. Budweiser had a energy drink combined with a beer as a beverage. It didn't last very long on the market, and we didn't last very long doing it in a power hour. We stopped the power hour after like two of them because we were feeling crazy. Yeah, so it was the energy portion of that beverage that, that cooked you, right? It wasn't yeah. the, the beer part? Yeah, but I don't think that the hard seltzer is going to hit the same way. Here, I'm going to... What I'm going to do, we're just going to do like a little experiment and see if some of this Topo Chico hard seltzer displaces the same amount of air in your shot glass as it does mine, just to make sure things are fair. All right. So Ben has poured a shot of Topo Chico exotic pineapple flavor (laughs) into my cybersecurity command shot glass. And now I will attempt to pour that into Ben's... My Death Valley National Park shot glass uh two shot glasses that couldn't look any more dissimilar and uh i'm gonna go ahead and do this (laughs) this is just a bonus shot or are we starting (laughs) that's just a bonus to get out of the way okay exotic pineapple i would say uh uh you know you ever get the trader joe's trail mix that sometimes come with the dried pineapple a little yeah it tastes like more dried pineapple than fresh pineapple which means I'm planning on shooting dried ropes later. <laughs> My favorite kind. Mm, chewier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, is our boss today. <laughs> yeah. uh, we cannot resist its awesome power. So yeah. let's get into it, I'm ben. scared, personally. <laughs> 
It's Star Trek Voyager Season 6, Episode 25, a spooky episode, and a spooky way to do it for us. The Haunting of Deck 12. Revert course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. (laughs) We start this episode on the same opening shot as two episodes ago, the episode entitled Fury mm-hmm. with Jennifer Lean yeah. had the exact same effects shot uh, as the opener on this one. I think spooky music does a lot to set the tone here, right? Right. It is creepy music uh, is the only thing they changed. <laughs> Neelix, I don't think anyone would say is the bravest character on Star Trek Voyager, but he's legitimately freaked out here. Yeah, he's just like rearranging the furniture in the in the restaurant, but he is doing it with such great trepidation. Isn't it true, though, that every workplace becomes scary after hours and in the dark? There's no happiness to a daytime workplace that would that would supersede how scary it would become were there to be no one in it and for it to be dark, right? (laughs) That's true. Yeah, you and I are both people that have had to be at the office on an overnighter babysitting an upload or a render or whatever. And that is genuinely upsetting time to be spending. The idea here is that they're about, they're preparing to shut down main power. And this is a rare occurrence on the ship as well. Everyone's little bit on edge because of that. Yeah, he goes to open the door and, ah, there's a Borg right there. Oh, it's just seven of nine. We'll be shutting down main power soon. The children's regeneration cycle will be interrupted. They'll require supervision. Well, I'm happy to help. I love how Seven's constantly trying to lay off the littlest Borgs onto someone else. She hates this job. <laughs> Neelix is great with kids, though. This is a skill. Like, like she talks about how his... Um, like on his resume, on his curriculum vitae, he has babysitting experience. So uh, he's going to be looking after the Lilith Borgs while this shutdown occurs. And she's like, she's trying to like give him outs, which I appreciate it. She's like, it's going to take a while. Like this could be like a long thing. And he's like, no, 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 I got you. He's like, I'm Neelix. What else do I have to do? To tell you the truth, I'd be grateful for the distraction. Another thing that is discussed here is whether or not the kids know what's happening. We got to go to the bridge to find out where we see the order to cut the engines so that the Voyager can float into the filthy space butthole that's ahead. (laughs) It's a space butthole from a home that has not installed a $60 bidet attachment to their, uh, to their toilet. Uh, I noticed, uh, you're picking up your broads. I, too, will be uh, partaking in some broads today. Keep my birdie functional. These minutes are already feeling like they're coming very fast, and we're only four of them in. <laughs> How are we already onto our second can? What's going on? Oh, because these are 12 ounces, I guess. But Oh, and, and I should say, we're, we're splitting cans here, so mm-hmm. it's not... Uh, we haven't each had an entire can. Right. All right. Well, that's reassuring. <laughs> I feel like Tuvok's juvenile imaginations line of dialogue should be pulled for a line and then used on us throughout the rest of our run of Greatest Gen. What do you see, Tuvok? Two Starfleet officers with juvenile imaginations. Come on, Tuvok. So once power's cut, you notice all these lanterns that have been set up around the bridge. This is like, uh, I don't know if you ever grew up in, uh, in hurricane country. But but uh, but when one's about to to hit, 
you tape up your windows, you break out the the lanterns and the flashlights. Mm-hmm. You make sure your tub is dry in case you got to get in or store water. Oh, yeah, I thought you filled the tub up. You- I guess it just depends like like if you're going to get hit by a windstorm, the tub might be shelter. But oh, if you're just planning shit. on a long power or utility outage, you got to use that tub for for water. We uh we only have the one tub at my house because we're a one bathroom household. That's a a terrible That's a fact that that continues to horrify me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real Sophie's choice. Do we do we store water or do we leave it empty as a as a place to take shelter? I love that as we're we're cutting around scenes on the ship as the power goes out. We get to see a lot of the scenes we're so familiar with in a different light. Mm. <laughs> but I think one aspect that is like maybe unintentionally cruel is that no one has told the Lilith Borgs and they get to find out by being jolted from their alcove once it shuts off. Everything's all right. We just had to shut down main power temporarily. Nothing to be concerned about. Because they were like mid recharge cycle when the power was shut down. But like, yeah, like they could have been warned before no one told them to like go to bed early to get extra charge that sucks (laughs) do we know what happens if you don't regenerate do you die i mean that's what happened to my uh fitness tracker watch yesterday i I forgot to regenerate it and Mm. uh by one big walk of the day it the battery failed and i got no credit for it no credit man you just walk different (laughs) (laughs) Your watch is constantly like, have you fallen? <laughs> have you gotten into a car accident? Yeah. It's always like offering to call the authorities <laughs> on my behalf. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, instead, they're going to be up and they're, Neelix has kind of set up like a, almost like a like a campfire type situation for them. They're going to be sitting in a circle doing activities. He's even got a flotter novel for them to uh I guess, listen to him read? I mean, as many questions as we have about this, Ichab has even more. Ichab's too old for Flutter, let's be fair. Without his brother around to ask these questions of, Neelix will have to do. <laughs> but you got to imagine, like, like we're Ichab's brother to be Ichab's there. brother's like, Hey, stowed away on the ship! I'm over here on the other side of the cargo bay! What's up, guys? Why'd you kill the power? It's somehow worse to be squeegeeing sewage when you can't see the sewage. Also, who knew that that was a job on Voyager? But somehow it is. They're beaming it out to somewhere. Most people have a problem with nepotism. Sewage nepotism, (laughs) the worst kind. (laughs) Hey, Egypt. I don't want this job. Neelix is doing that thing where his cover-ups are leaving things uncovered. Like they're doing more damage mm. than solving the problem here. Kids, they want to know the why. You know, when you when you set a rule, a kid wants to know why it's a rule. And if it's just arbitrary, that's going to be inherently dissatisfactory to a, to a kid, I think. The kids have heard about something that may be a haunting on deck 12, section 42. Rumors have been swirling from the one other kid on the ship. Also swirling the sewage 
around the drain at which Ichab's brother works. <laughs> I found a drain! How come Naomi never comes over and talks to me? Is it because I reek of raw sewage? Did you see one of the, the Borg's twins spike the camera here? Oh, I missed that. It was pretty blatant. <laughs> I want to see those guys talk to Naomi Wildman about like, hey, we got pretty similar loaf, you know? Yeah. Not the same, but it's like no. not far off. Yeah. Uh, Naomi's only interested in playing with adults. Yeah. I also noticed that uh, Mazadi, the little girl, she is doing something that is very Newt adjacent with her voice. Especially like when she says like a round vowel, like mm-hmm. she says ghosts exactly the way Newt in Aliens would say ghosts. Uh-huh. If it's not a ghost, what is it? Like when-, when She's uh, kind of skater boying her dialogue. Like when Newt says, uh, they mostly come at night, mostly. Mm-hmm. Mizadi says ghosts, just <laughs> like that. Mostly. <laughs> I was wondering if that was like a, like if she- let Newt inspire her performance a little bit. How could you not? Newt is one of the foundational science fiction horror child performances ever. (laughs) Spooky children. Yeah. Do Borgs get goosebumps? I think that's the least of their problems. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like as an assimilated person starts to take stock of the weird sensations their body is giving them. (laughs) I think maybe the goosebumps... (laughs) (laughs) would fall pretty low on the list. Yeah. And in addition to this, I'm also a little cold. (laughs) All right? (laughs) Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm going to say this once. Do it. They talk Neelix into telling them the story of what's really going on because they're, they're concerned that there may be a genuine haunting going on aboard the ship. And he launches into a, back before the four of you were even aboard Voyager, we had this other adventure, and uh, and here's what happened. We went into this nebula. It, like, he never says a nebula not unlike this one, or like mm-hmm. on a night just like tonight. This could be a large Marge story that he, he decides not to give it that sort of embellishment. Every time I was expecting a large Marge zig, Neelix zagged in a way that really frustrated me. <laughs> He's like, you're never going to believe this, kids. But on that night, the mess hall was filled. (laughs) People were enjoying the Leola roots. He recalls a time where he was very nervous (laughs) and uh, had a conversation about how other people were nervous and not him. Mr. Neelix, are you certain it's not you who was on edge? Neelix... Not good at, at any sort of cover-ups here. Yeah. And and Tuvok is not trying to soothe him. Like the 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 restaurant is is bumpy while they're going through this nebula. The Bursard collectors are scooping up deuterium left and right. You know what Neelix is doing? He's doing that thing where I asked the cab driver in Toronto how he's feeling about the cab. He's projecting his anxiety to other people in order to make it clear that this is an anxious moment for him. He really is. He's like, how are you feeling about all the bangers, Tuvok? <laughs> Do you Tuvok, think the tires are going to make it to the Pearson airport? Tuvok's just fine, but he sees right through this. Yeah. And oh, have we switched flavors? We have switched flavors. I uh, I forgot to call it out. We are now on to can two of strawberry guava flavor. You know what's amazing? I had not noticed. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just like the implication of sweetness without any like specificity surrounding it. I had a seltzer on the golf course yesterday. I have mm-hmm. a bunch of out out of town friends visiting. We we had a fun golf day yesterday. We got seltzer from a brewery we had not had before, and it was strawberry seltzer. Weird. But the strawberry flavor was exactly like the good humor strawberry shortcake bar. Whoa. Which might sound disgusting to most people. Uh-huh. It was amazing. Wow. That is such a specific strawberry flavor. That is really specific. I know exactly what you're talking about. I never thought I wanted a drink out of that, but I do. A spiked good humor strawberry uh, milkshake would be a fun adult milkshake. Are we spiking ice cream yet? Yeah, there's there's spiked milkshakes anyways. You got to liquid it down, huh? Yeah. For consumption. Yeah. I think that uh, alcohol like lowers the freezing point of stuff or something. Is this is this the jello shot effect? Like, yeah. Like things stop being solid when you put alcohol in them? Yeah. I mean, that explains my dick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cheers to that, buddy. <laughs> Neelix tries to slip one past the goalie here. He's like, yeah, so like the Bassard collectors were putting out all this Nadion emission and it was destabilizing, destabilizing the nebula and each head's like, bullshit. I call bullshit. This story's fake. Egypt's brother is like, I also call bullshit. Actually, that's because I'm standing in shit. Actual shit. I'm yeah. I'm squeegeeing bullshit. Which is, are there bulls aboard? Where did you get this? It scared Neelix then. It scares Neelix now. He's shook. He's never gotten over this. He's not a crook, son. He's just a shook one. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so they're talking about how... That's not the worst thing that happened to the Talaxian homeworld. I think we both know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird how this even makes his list. <laughs> Does Neelix have anything good to say about things that happened on Talax? You know, we make a lot of fun of Neelix, and for good reason. He's mm-hmm. a boob. But he has been traumatized by many, many things. <laughs> And we haven't even gotten to one of his one of his many things. Uh, but this nebula is not reacting well to them taking all of the deuterium out of it. But they've gotten eighty percent of what they came for, and it's enough to get them thousands of light years. So they decide to call it for the day, and they bug out. But they get zapped right on their way out of the nebula. Some some wharf lightning hits the ship. It penetrates the hull. Yeah, the punctuation on this ghost story is that there's a stowaway now Mm -hmm. based on these bangers in this dirty space butthole. You see, like, the exterior of the ship with wharf lightning, like, creeping around it. I really feel Neelix here. He just wants to fucking tell a story, and these kids will not shut up. (laughs) The ship is having a bunch of strange malfunctions. Chakotay visits Janeway in the ready room. And we get a cool POV here, right? Because we're inside the replicator, and Janeway's just trying to make a cup of coffee. This special effect was so cool. Yeah. Because they go from, like, digital cylinder of coffee that is replicated without its container to actual coffee splashing all over the replicator. Yeah. It looked great. What would life be like for you if you could make coffee in any scenario? That's sort of what it's like to to live on Voyager. Like you could pull off during any walk 
anywhere and get coffee. As long as you had the credits, right? I guess, are we still running a replicator credit economy on the ship? With all this deuterium they just picked up, there there was coffee in the nebula, I want to assume. Chakotay does not have good news about how widespread the damage is. The answer, extremely wide. <laughs> and while you're taking that shot, I'll... Uh... I'll update people on the flavor we're drinking. It is now tropical mango flavor. Oh, this I, tastes like a candle store to me. I remember getting a pack of these multiple flavors of Topo Chico hard seltzers in the past and finding that like I thought three of them were pretty good and one of them was pretty vile. And Topo Chico is like the strip club of flavors. Like it's it's three pretty ones and one ugly one, right? <laughs> Yeah. These minutes are flying by too fast. I can't keep up. I hate this flavor. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Okay, this. we got to get through it. Topo Chico Company, I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you right now. I'm looking at the camera. Tropical mango is tropical garbage. Yeah, take it back to the fucking drawing board, Topo Chico Company, which I believe is the Coca-Cola Company. Oh, so they do some things, right? Like Mexican Coke. This is too seltzery. It's, it's, it's bubble-throating us. Uh, this is awful. Wendy <laughs> is going to quit after this. I'm so sorry. There's Wendy. no bubble filter in audition. <laughs> you know how bad this is. <laughs> we need to switch to Modelo. Emergency Modelo. <laughs> Emergency Modelo. Hey, Egypt. Switch to the Modelo. <laughs> this mango tastes like shit. And I would know. <laughs> you know... There's a lot of mango Topo Chico burbling up out of this pipe. <laughs> and I can tell. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Chicote and Janeway go out onto the bridge. And Janeway's like, hey, everybody, remember this guy, Chicote? He's the first officer. Anyways. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to a man I'm stringing along. <laughs> <laughs> and uh like the camera goes down to his fist and he's just like <laughs> snaps his pencil i love the shot of paris like looking back at them while the while the ship goes to warp like it's like turning around to yell at the kids like we're not there yet but accidentally stepping on the accelerator <laughs> paris is like uh turning around during doggy <laughs> <laughs> You're missing what's happening on the Discovery Channel, Tom <laughs> Paris. Ooh, that beer is delicious. Just everything is going wrong on this ship. Like, it's doing things they're not asking for. It's telling them people are places when they didn't ask for where people are. Here's a question. What's the scariest thing? Is it things not working when you need them to? Or things doing things because they choose to happen spontaneously? I would say the second. When the ship goes to warp... That seems crazy and scary and the worst. Yeah, you could just go right through a fucking quasar if you're not careful. Yeah, I don't like that at all. No one can stop the ship either, and that's really bad news. It's terrible news. Also, no one can stop the elevator that Chakotay gets on and, like, starts plummeting. How mad were you that this show didn't have the budget to show Chakotay bouncing around in the turbo lift? They did that on TNG, right? I know, but Voyager doesn't have TNG money. It sure doesn't. Also, give Chakotay something to do. Bounce him around the turbo lift. (laughs) Sounds great. Have Chakotay sit down to write something with a pencil, and the pencil snaps itself without him doing it. What I love is how pissed Chakotay is. Yeah. He he hates this. When he gets to engineering, he uh, he double barrels Bolana. 
professionally. Do you have any idea what's going on? I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. One thing that doesn't happen here that drove me fucking nuts is, hey, can we shut down all the turbo lifts until we figure out what's happening? <laughs> Chakotay doesn't say that. Chakotay is like, the turbo lift I just got out of is free to fuck anyone else up <laughs> that it wants. I'm finally free of it. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. It, I didn't think that was cool at all. You got to shut them down. You can't have crazy elevators taking people to your restaurant. <laughs> They'll be too nauseous when they get there. If your elevator can't handle more than two people at a time, it's too dangerous to have in your winery. Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> he doesn't shut it down. He doesn't shut it down. I was I was going to say, when Boimler had to clean you out- You miss 100% of the shut it downs you don't shut down. <laughs> That's my think, yearbook quote. I think Wayne Gretzky said that, right? <laughs> we're at the point of the- We're at the 30-minute point, basically, and uh We're at the point where we're talking through the moments where we need to take a shot and having to take two shots like hard back-to-back. It's very, very challenging. There is no temperature of Modelo that isn't better than Mango Topo Chico. <laughs> These are pretty cold. I, I thought to put them in the fridge last night. I had a person last night. I've I've got a house full of people right now. That this is why I'm here. We are a household that freezes our peanut butter M and M's. They're delicious that way. But a friend of ours came over, and was like, "Have you ever microwaved your peanut butter M and M's?" And I looked at her like she was fucking insane because <laughs> that is that's an insane idea. Why would I want to put a potentially molten amount of peanut butter into my mouth? I am here from the past to tell you that microwaving peanut butter M&M's slaps. Anyway, she takes our frozen peanut butter M&M's, puts them in the microwave, and nukes them. (laughs) They are, as she described, delicious. However, why would you ever want to risk a molten peanut butter M&M? When when the safety of a frozen M&M is always delicious, it's never going to hurt you. Yeah. I really relate to this because over the weekend, our across-the-street neighbor came over with burritos that she'd made. She'd made like a, a mess of burritos. Do you know burritos. this person? We've like interacted like five or six times since we moved in. And you've been here how long? Since uh, since 2020. You don't like surprise barbecue. How did you feel about surprise burritos? It was an interesting experience because I was in the middle of like kind of an intense argument with my wife. Oh, God. And This neighbor does not know. She does not know what what she's walking into. She knocked on our front door at like 11.45 a.m. Pissed drunk. (laughs) Whoa. And she had come over to drop off. Can you describe how you know this? Because like she kept hugging us. Oh, no. And and you could smell the like margs on her. (laughs) She had morning margs? She had morning margs and... And was dropping off burritos. The only place to have morning margs is Mexico. I don't believe you can do that here. <laughs> I I don't know how she did it, but she did it. Do you think she got drunk and decided to make neighbor burritos? Or was she involved in the making of neighbor burritos? And she's like, you know what makes batch food making better? Just a good buzz. I I don't know. 
Because I like that, especially around the holidays. Yeah. Like when you're when you're in the kitchen working all day on a large format meal, hell yeah. Take it to the dome. A previous interaction we had was my wife often makes like like holiday cookies and we take them around all the neighbors. And uh, she reciprocated with holiday tamales uh, a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And I think that was like the last time we had like a a big interaction with her. So uh, a precedent has been set that occasionally we will trade a food item. Anyways, she's a a nice lady. She was she was day drunk in the middle of an argument, and we'd just gotten back from starting this argument at brunch. (laughs) (laughs) You started it at brunch. Drove home. Where the best arguments begin. Yeah, and uh, and she drops off these burritos. There's such a sharpness to, like, mojito angry. Not mojito. What am I thinking of? What's the... Mar- what's, margarita angry? What's the breakfast? Oh, uh... Orange juice and, and champagne. Why did I call it mojito? Jesus. <laughs> I'm really fucked up. Fast. You said orange juice and cocaine. I was did go- I say orange juice and champagne? You, you or said, did I say orange juice and cocaine? You said orange juice and champagne. I started Googling orange juice and cocaine to try and find out what that's called. So that's where we're at. Hey, what is orange juice and cocaine called? Not a screwdriver, because that's already taken. Orange Julius from Pulp Fiction? <laughs> Anyways... The reason I started in on this story was I microwaved one of her burritos to heat it up last night for dinner, uh-huh. and I microwaved it way too long, and I got molten interior of burrito and burned my tongue. And then I was like, God, I am burning the shit out of my tongue on this burrito, and I keep like it's cooled down, and I'm still burning my tongue. And then I realized it's also a 10 out of 10 spicy burrito, like Thai food spicy. She made a spicy-ass burrito. <laughs> Why did she do that? <laughs> that doesn't sound like a kindness. I mean, it's it tastes good. It's like like Thai food. I like it. She let the spiciness get away from her, though. Yeah, I think you know if you're a little sauced in the kitchen and you're kind of like tossing in amounts of of chili pepper, you might be forgiven for underestimating how how spicy you just made it. Maybe she was hurting and she wanted you to hurt too. That had crossed my mind. <laughs> They've got a gel pack problem on Voyager. Yeah, Deck 13's got a bunch of burned out gel packs according to readings that they're getting in engineering. So BLT and Chakotay go to look into that. And meanwhile, we get a little cameo from a previous lower decker on Voyager. Crewman Stellis, step away from the control panel. Did I do something wrong? I have said on the record before, angry Bajoran woman is my type. I gotta say clumsy Bajoran woman, also my type. I expected her to die in this episode because when you Why bring her back if you're not gonna kill her? When you get a follow-up episode with a Bajoran lower decker, usually that's their ass. But, uh, it... It is only her ass in so much as Seven of Nine is yelling at her a bunch. The thing that sucks about being a fuck up constantly is that people constantly expect you to be the reason of the fuck up. 
Yeah, and she has like literally just shown up and like pulled the the casing off of something in a wall that she's working on, and seven of nine like barges around a corner is like, "You fucked this shit up," and she's like, "What? I just I just got." <laughs> <laughs> so they're inspecting the jail packs and BLT and Jacote don't see anything wrong with them. And mm-hmm. BLT, what she does detect is some sort of discharge moving around the ship. Mm. It's not just in one spot. She's like, this must be the work of Harry Kim. Something about it reminds me of being in the womb. Get up, Harry. Who are you? Harry Kim. Parents must be very proud. Who are you? They come as come as a pair. Who are you? Harry Kim. Who else is she supposed to get chummy with? Harry Kim. And your mom? Very proud. Who are you? Harry Kim. I lasted 22 minutes. And your mom? Very proud. Harry Kim. Who are you? Harry Kim. Ordinarily, it seems like he would be the cause. (laughs) But she's traced this discharge to an area outside Cargo Bay 2. You know... What cargo bay to you is that's uh that's seven's cargo bay mm. and this creature has moved into that room and then there's some nebular gas yeah it gets let in it looks and she like- can't call the bridge for help she can't leave because the door won't open this is really scary stuff and did you know there's an emergency switch in the cargo bay like an aliens switch mm-hmm. to open that door Jordy and the doctor used that in TNG to put out a plasma fire one time. I remember that. Um, Seven uses it to open the door to the hallway, though. I feel like... But a lot of good that does. She gets out into the hallway and there's like... (laughs) Force fields. Yeah. And then the wharf lightning goes right into her dolphin. She gets taken down by this. Neelix's lantern goes out, really freaks the kids out. And he's like, oh, yeah, like I... Really should have thought of that before the all system shutdown, like replacing the batteries on my lantern would have been like job one, actually. They gave me a light on my wet mop. It's actually on the stick. This is the kind of mop where the amount you use it charges up the battery. It's like a a watch with an automatic movement. Pretty cool. The thing about this wet mop is they never want me to stop working. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I, I've got to get that platinum. Nice. You just dropped gold. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. 
With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So I guess fortunately Chakotay and BLT were right in the area of the ship where Cargo Bay 2 be at. So they find Seven and she's like she's like in a section that mm-hmm. is like force fielded in and then there's the the nebular gas inside of that. I loved how willing Chakotay was to just shoot at a panel. Yeah. Fly her apart then. Yeah. He says. Chakotay doesn't give a shit. He's not doing anything on the show at this point. He yeah. doesn't care what he has to destroy. No. He'll do it. <laughs> There's like piles and piles of Dixon Ticonderogas in a cargo bay somewhere. Yeah. And he has not slowed down. Maybe the craziest scene in this episode happens in the mess hall where like, again, it's unusually full of patrons mm-hmm. and also Harry Kim. And when the power flickers there, Harry Kim is somehow the ranking person in the mess hall and tells everyone to man their posts. Yeah, like like treat this as a red alert. Go to your stations. Neelix, that means you stay here. I promise you, I've never been more certain of this in my life. 
if I'm in the mess hall and Harry Kim orders me to do something, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Fuck you, Harry Kim. <laughs> and Ensign doesn't tell me what to do. <laughs> like, is this just kind of like a overall low-ranked ship? Like, it kind of seems that way. Like Harry Kim feels like the like one of the highest status bridge officers at this point. Hey, Harry Kim, you know what you're in charge of? Puss. <laughs> he was stating the obvious again. You're not in charge of me. <laughs> I love how Neelix is like, hey, where do I go? And Harry Kim is like, right here. I don't have time to talk to you about that, Neelix. I got to go crush some babes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, he, he's going to go figure out what's going on. Neelix is going to stay behind. But, like, the lights go out around Neelix in a really fun way. Like, everyone leaves the mess hall and Neelix is left alone in the dark. Fuck you, Neelix. (laughs) On the bridge, it's getting hot, man. I really like the moment on the bridge where Janeway starts talking to the ship in a personified way. I'm going to get close to the mic for this. Yeah. This, This is a lot like the Janeway that we're familiar with who wants to blow up the ship. Mm. Mm. But this time she's like, hey. You think you could do me a solid? Maybe uh, bring a couple of systems back online just for me? Or, just one or two. Maybe the coffee system and uh, <laughs> and another system. Like, I don't care which one, but as long as the coffee system is one of them, that's good. And Paris is like, hey, I've got, <laughs> I've got navigation back. There's coffee in talking to Voyager. Paris is rewarded with wharf lightning to the face. <laughs> and his face looks like fucking burger. <laughs> it is really bad. He looks really fucked up, and it looks like it's very painful. I thought Paris looked a lot like a guy, a, a certain someone who stayed at his post. What rises to the level of being cradled in someone's arms and taken to Six Bay? Because it feels like... If anyone deserves that treatment, it's Tom Paris. Tom mm-hmm. Paris, who did stay at his post. Mm-hmm. Or Kim, after getting hit with like a pelican case by Celis, trying to He's just trying to get to engineering. She fucking attacks him. She's been alone for hours. It's great that Harry Kim's penis is always safe. Mm-hmm. He can continue to fuck. Did you get the sense that he and Celis had had a dalliance? I always do. I, I, I really did, too. I, like their energies seem to be like, hey, like we've been as intimate with each other as two people can be. Can I come with you? Of course. Paris isn't the only person being injured by these shipwide problems. Uh, Janeway and company are hypothesizing at this point that this may be a life form causing all of this stuff. A life form trying to make a place to live inside Voyager. And so they retreat to the six bay. This is another moment in the episode where, like, I love a ship just being lit by red alert. Like, that's the only light that there is. It's just red. You could make photographs there (laughs) in the corridor. Yeah, yeah. It's a a dark room. Um, Maybe they should scan for life forms. Life forms. You tiny little life forms. You precious little life forms. Where are you? Did they ever think of that in I this episode? I wouldn't recommend that. 
No. Okay. I love Neelix using a burner for a light, though. That's was, fun. Was that what he was doing? Like, he, he had the walk on full blast. The thing that you know when you set up a gas sensor in your kitchen is that any burner creates poison gas for you and your family when you're cooking. Mm. And evidently, Neelix is okay with this trade-off. He's, he's exchanging light for poison. He, he really is. Like, you can see the smoke coming off the walk. Like, it's... I don't like the smoke. Y- you know, like, when you, like, leave, a, like, a kettle on, you know, you're like, oh, I'll make some coffee, and then you walk away, and you, like, get distracted by something, and then you, like, you're like, what is that, like, horrible, acrid smell? And it's, like, it is, like, the impurities in your tap water, like, yeah. evaporating off the surface of way too hot steel in your kettle. That's what's happening to Neelix's walk, and uh, oof, I, I can't imagine what it smelled like on set that day. There's one detail in the scene that I really liked, which is the Phillips head fastener around the window frame that Neelix is looking out of. Oh, I didn't notice that. The question I have about that is, like, what's the story you make up about seeing a Phillips head fastener on a starship like this? Is this just like... Hey, it's old-timey Neelix's mess hall, <laughs> where we use Phillips head fasteners and wood. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. it, it's sort of like the, it's tantamount to, like, the net and plastic crab motif of a of a mid-market seafood restaurant. Yeah. Like, check out this classic fastener. Yeah. The J.J. Abrams Star Trek universe contains things such as Budweiser because, uh, you know, modern motion pictures are less accommodating of the idea of a post-scarcity socialist future where brands don't exist anymore. Sure. But um, maybe in the Voyager future, Torx fasteners don't exist because Torx is a brand name also. I want to let the friends of DeSoto know that we've switched back to Topo Chico hard seltzer we're now on Tangy Lemon Lime. Ben, what's your review of Tangy Lemon Lime? Mildly better than Mango. I would say at this moment, going from Topo Chico to Modelo, back to Topo Chico, but specifically Tangy Lemon Lime, mm-hmm. was a good choice. But if we went from Modelo into that fucking mango poison, that would be bad. We have two more cans of the mango poison that I, I moved out of the way to get oh to the tangy God. lemon lime. Is this our last tangy lemon lime? No, we have, I think we have two more tangy lemon limes. This and is we, the haunting of greatest yeah. generation if you're saying that we've got only mango left. And with this shot, we enter our final 10 minutes of the power hour. Another detail I really liked in this scene was how borgy the music was. Like, it was very, like, first contact, haunted house Borg Mm. music Mm -hmm. in this scene where Neelix is alone in his mess hall. Is somebody out there? He, like, starts, like, wandering down the hall and, like, there's that door that's, like, chopping open and closed. Yeah. And, like, Tuvok is wearing, like, a CPAP machine and, and, like, sneaks up behind him. That show Beef changed my relationship to doors that close on their own because in that show a emergency door 
just sliced a person in half. This is a horror movie trope that that I think happens fairly often. That Ali Wong show? Yeah. How that? I wouldn't want to get near a door that was doing that. I punched out of that show after two episodes. I didn't know it had grisly ass shit like that. Oh, it? yeah. It's got a door that kills people. Wow. It's like deathbed, the bed that kills people. <laughs> this is a thing. Uh, at this point, we cut back from Neelix's yarn to the Lilith Borgs, and they're like, why didn't you just turn off your fear? And I was like, damn. <laughs> The Borgs have an amazing technology if that's available to them. Hey, Egypt! How do you think I get through my shift? <laughs> Sweeping sewage every day! That's not Borg technology, that's our species! We can, that's probably one of the biological distinctivenesses they wanted! I could sweep shit for my entire life! And I'd be fine with it! That shit don't scare me! You know what does scare me? Having a mop that doesn't have a light built in. So Neelix tells Tuvok in these Jeffrey's tubes about the Salvoxia, which is a bit of a Donner Party adjacent story in the Talaxian, like, urban legend canon. Didn't you think that this story should be the whole story? A story like this? explode it on the entire episode. Wow. This is the point of the whole thing. It kind of is. But unlike TNG, Voyager didn't really have the budget to have an entire ship set built for a storyline. Imagine drawing straws for air. Oof. That's rough. Sorry, Borjax. You you get no more air. You got the short straw. Yeah. I mean, the littlest boarders are freaking out about this when they hear about it. Like, like, do you think they ate each other? Like, like, like what happened? And Neelix is even more freaked out about it than they are. He's like, eh, <laughs> let's not talk about that. The kids have great imaginations for this. Yeah. I think they would be great in an emergency situation. I mean, they'd be great to eat in an emergency situation, I think. They, they look delicious. Yeah. We come for the Lilith Borgs at the nighttime, mostly. <laughs> mostly. Back in the Jeffries tubes, they open a door, and behind it is that nebular gas. And they shut it real fast. Maybe there's something Tuva can hit behind a panel to vent it. Do you mm. think? Is that possible? You you know who I identified most with in this episode? Egypt's brother. Kim feeling bad about leaving Neelix behind. I don't know. Just anybody like racked with guilt. I just, I, I'm i like, ah, oh, that's my guy. That's you. <laughs> You're the locus of guilt for this show. <laughs> so Janeway comes up with the idea as they're working the problem in engineering of talking to this entity that has involved itself in their ship via the like pre-recorded automatic alerts that are in the computer, which I really liked. Like it only has like so many things in the, you know, in the soundboard to reply with. But I like that a lot. She starts to kind of get a sense that like, oh, there's like an intelligence at play here. Are you attempting to communicate? Unable to comply. 
in so many ways, constraints make for great creative decisions. And that's what it feels like this is, right? They they had these things. And uh, it, it orders Captain Janeway to the ass lab. And everybody's like, no, like, this is nuts. You cannot go to the ass lab right now. And she's like, I've got to do it. You expect Janeway to put the ship on the line because this is what she does. She's willing to destroy everyone for spite. She's a very spiteful captain. She is, and is never more vividly illustrated than when she says, like, all right, Seven, you and me are going to the ass lab. And Chicote's like, really? I mean, like, I'm running out of pencils here. What? In the Jeffrey's tubes, it's a far less interesting part of the story where Tuvok teaches Neelix some meditation techniques. I like that he was able to do a guided meditation during. Like, he yeah. is actively, like, wrenching on pipes and stuff. The thing about Tuvok is he knows what a fucking dead weight he's got with him, and he's just <laughs> doing anything he can to, to keep himself from dying because of this bullshit. But as, like, a new homeowner, like... I, I mean, this is this again is very aspirational. Like I have attempted to lie under my kitchen sink and like fix a leak before, sure. and the idea of doing that while guiding someone through a relaxation technique is try to imagine Neelix with you for anything that you're trying to do. <laughs> like Tuvok is a kill him with kindness guy. You know? It's an anchor. Yeah, it really is. I think you're one behind here, buddy. We are coming up on our penultimate shot, and uh, I think we should do this one and our next one together. I'd love that. There are so many cans at my feet. An uncountable number, I would say. We're almost there. I can't believe it. Yeah. I haven't checked in with you enough. How do you feel? I feel like... This has been an assault on my body and my mind, but I think this has been a good episode so far. A weird energy for an episode, and I think that that's why it's on the board. Hey, here it comes. Here the it final comes. shot. We hit it, buddy. This is the hour. This is a much less popular version of Hot Ones. Who's the person burp, that we have a relationship ones. with that would do a power hour with us from the Star Trek universe? Mm. Like, we have good relationships with Star Trek people. Who would do that with us? Let's see. I think Tawny Newsom's fun and, and... I think fun and getting fucked up with us is another level. Yeah. Aaron Waltke, the uh, head writer of Prodigy, is a big Scotchman. He really is. We've been fucked up together. I don't, I don't know if it, I don't know if like fucked up on Scotch translates to fucked up on Topo Chico though. Anyways, Neelix's guided meditation turns into a nightmare, and he gets his. I don't know. Is this supposed to be like a bowl of spaghetti or like a cake or whatever? When when Janeway pulls the the lid away from the the dish and it and it's like scary nebula gas. I mean, sometimes, like, when you get the smoked old-fashioned, you get the smoke. Mm. So this this sort of feels like that. Our, one of our favorite bars, Cannon in Seattle, has a, uh, sometimes on the menu, a, a cocktail called the Georgia Campfire mm -hmm. that is smoked. And yeah. 
It does feel like that, yeah. And and it's fun when you're expecting it. If you get a face full of smoke when you're not expecting it, that's bad. Especially when that cloud looks like a ghoulish mouth of teeth trying to chomp you. Yeah, get rid of those teeth. That's what I say. Yeah. So it turns out this is a life form. They make it to the ass lab and they get, they, they've like uploaded like a database to a system and they're, talking to it in a little bit more cogent of language and it's like I want to I want you to take me back to that nebula and it's ET phone home you got to take the ET home and uh they double back and when they get there that nebula is gone baby like whatever the voyager did to it has dissipated the nebula this is an awful moment in this episode right I mean, it seems like it should be easy. Let's drop this fucking thing off and be done with it. What's it, Voyager has done is a war crime. They take a nebula and dissipate it into space and they never apologize or anything. The thing that is so consistent is the rage that this thing feels. Like, try to imagine getting into a, a ride chair. <laughs> And having the rideshare driver going, I don't know where we're going now that your destination isn't there anymore. Yeah. What do you want to do? I would be pissed. If I were this nebular being, I would get out of the car. You've done what you could. But the thing, the difference between me and this nebular thing is, this nebular thing is pissed. Yeah. Pissed enough to destroy Voyager. It sends Janeway back to her stateroom and she pulls back the sheets on her bed and in meat, it has spelled out the name Judas. Oh my God. And she goes, what does it mean? It means Omerta. It means Rewenge. I love this scene. Like the the scenes of, of Janeway arguing with this thing are good. They're really good. But the nebula makes it really clear that like, this thing may or may not have been your fault, but I'm going to make it your fault. Yeah. I'm I'm that pissed at you. And I want your ship. If my nebula isn't going to be out there, at least I'm going to take your ship. Yeah. Uh I need compensation. And so it starts it starts raging around the ship. One of the things that it does is warf lightning Tuvok who was working on that stuff and this is an interesting moment because, like, he is, he's fried. He's got some burger on his face. Not a Tom Paris amount of burger, but no. a good amount of burger. The Tom Paris burger is like a triple burger. Yeah. Which I think a lot of times you feel like you can take on. Yeah. It's actually a little too much. Tuvok ordered his burger off, like, the kid's menu. Yeah. And he's like, logic would dictate that you take the CPAP machine and go. And Neelix is like, fuck that, man. Like, we'll 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 trade off the CPAP and You never want to share a CPAP machine though. Yeah, it's like sharing a toothbrush. Ugh. Very intimate. But then again, Tuvok and Neelix have been one man before. So They've they been... have a special intimacy. It's it's like the United States and, and the UK. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or Harry Kim and Sellis. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they share a mask and and work their way down the Jeffries tube. I would say that Janeway is kind of trying her own logical shit on the life form. She's she's explaining like if the crew dies, 
like the maintenance load of this ship is like big. And I love that the argument is this ship is too much of a pain in the ass for you. <laughs> you got to have a couple of people take care of it, right? Right. Like you're going to need to like hire some deckhands. Like, yeah. like it's, it's very aspirational to own your own sailboat, but it's, its environment is trying to destroy it at all times. It's actually better to have friends with a boat instead of a boat of your own. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, she is arguing with this thing. And it gets so fucking intense, man. Like, you talked about the red alert is the only light. This scene is, like, is like flashing red and black. Gas is, like, coming up around Janeway. And she's like, kill me. Like, like if, if you want the ship so bad, you're going to have to fucking kill me for it. I don't like seeing Kate Mulgrew choke in this scene. Like, And I think part of it is that she's such an effective actor is that she makes it feel so real. Yeah. Like, this is one of those instances where, like, she's too good at making me feel like this is happening, and it actually makes this uncomfortable to watch. It's an amazing scene. Like, I I think... It's the, like watching Meryl Streep get choked out. Yeah. The discomfort of this scene is so palpable that it really takes the episode to a new level, you know? I especially like the part where the gas is starting to like, like visually the gas is rising up from the floor to her neck. And this is like a visual language that we're familiar with for like a bunch of different types of scenarios, mostly with water though. Yeah. Kate Mulgrew is, is starting to drown in this nebular gas. And she's like, before you take me, I'm just going to wipe my fingers on the computer panel on the wall I'm not gonna let you take me like this I'm gonna destroy the ship first now I'm gonna run the back of my fingernails across the grooves of a vinyl record fuck you Nebula <laughs> like how could you ever think you could get one over on, on Janeway here yeah so, like, at the last minute, it reverses its shutting down of all of the life support stuff on the ship, and it chickens out. Like, you, you're never going to play chicken with Janeway and win. Nope. It tried to call her bluff. She's not bluffing. She's never She'd bluffing. rather die. And uh, they turn a portion of Deck 12 into a simulated nebula. The creature's been living there ever since. I told you there was a monster on deck 12. Haven't you been listening? It's not a monster. This is so effective, right? Like, to not see it. Yeah. I usually love seeing it. But in this scene, not seeing it is more effective. And it's so fun to think that, like, this has been going on on the ship since before yeah. the Bor- the Lilith Borgs were even aboard. Yeah. How long before, we don't know. But, like... It's been a part of the ship for a long time. This is a story that happened in the past. And, um, yeah, like, they get the power back, and the Borg's kids are all, like, getting put back to bed, and they're like, oh, you're just, you're joshing. Like, that didn't really happen. I love the idea of Neelix being a shitty storyteller, but it being revealed that he was actually good. Yeah. Good job by him. Good job by him. Good job by uh, 
Ucheb catching that thing about how Nadion emissions aren't a thing that the Bussard collectors do. Good job by us getting through an episode of Greatest Gen hammered on a combination of Topo Chico and Modelo Especial. Good job by the friends of DeSoto for supporting whatever the fuck this is. Did you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I thought this episode really slapped. I'm loving this back half of season six Voyager shit where it's like really treating Star Trek as a place and really trying to think creatively about what kinds of stories you can tell. And like campfire story is not an obvious one. It should be though. And they did such a good job with it. Like they, they did such a good job of like, I think that the thing that is most amazing about this episode is the amount of uncertainty it leaves like neelix is a mid storyteller in some ways like his details are not always like scientifically accurate or whatever and that leaves you open to wondering like what parts of this were and were not embellished Mm -hmm. and if this is a thing that the ship went through before the lilith borgs came aboard what does that mean for the entity that was living on deck 12 in between then and now? That's such a fun thing for a TV show to do, to like retcon a truth about the ship for a whole mess of episodes. And I thought it was really bracing and wild and like took so many like surprising twists and turns. Like I think that like the it's, a misunderstanding and this entity was accidentally brought on board thing is telegraphed maybe like a little bit too early in the episode, but that might just be a, I've watched too much star Trek and noticed Mm -hmm. it too early thing. But yeah, overall I thought it was uh, a really fun, a fun ride. And I I, uh, enjoyed being on it. How about you? There have been close to 150 episodes of Voyager and I think it's it's shocking that it's taken that many to get to campfire episode as a genre. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked a lot about like during our tour for Star Trek Five, like when you don't have a budget, all you have is light. And this episode is an expression of that. Yeah. Like you don't have to do a lot of different stuff except do weird shit with light. You already have the budget for that. And this is that episode. I really liked what they did here to make this episode feel different based on those choices. Yeah. I mean, Neelix, not the best storyteller on Voyager. I mean, a Harry Kim episode telling stories probably isn't appropriate for kids. I get that. Then what happened? I lasted 22 minutes. I understand how obvious the choice is to make him that, but I wonder how much they thought about giving the campfire story to someone else. Hmm. Because, like, Tom Paris is obviously the pilot and he's only interested in old-timey TV or whatever, but, like, he has a grasp of genre in, in such a way that, like, could make him an interesting storyteller. And also, like, I want to mix the Borg's kids up with different types of people 
Yeah. Like, it's always Neelix. Neelix always gets this shit job. If it's not Ichib's brother... You talk about shit jobs! Check out what I have to do! You could get weirder. But as weird episodes go, I like this one a lot. Yeah. And as a genre break, really into it. Yeah. Fun one. You know what else is fun, Adam, is the priority one inbox. You want to head in there and see what's waiting for us? Ben, I'm already in. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. And our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. That message goes like this. Ever wanted to start your own podcast, but aren't sure how to get to the dulcet, sultry tones of Ben and Adam? (laughs) Maybe you want to punch up your already existing podcast like Wendy did or whatever this thing was prior to her arrival. (laughs) Tim. (laughs) Or maybe... You're a music or band person looking for the perfect mix for your next song or clarinet concerto? Well, look no further. I'm Scott, friendly AQUAD audio engineer, podcast and music producer, proud FOD. And I'd love to help you turn your art glimpses into realities. Check it out. Visit scotthalquist.com for details. That's S C O T T H A double L. Q-U-I-S-T dot com for details or DM me directly at Scott underscore Harder on Instagram. That's S-C-O-T-T underscore H-A-R-D-E-R on Instagram. Mention you're an F-O-D for a discount on all services everywhere. Wow. Ben, we've got a professional here. No kidding. Making it clear to all F-O-Ds that your podcast doesn't have to sound like garbage. Your band doesn't have to, have to sound like trash. It sounds like there is a, a freelance Windy Pretty out there for just about anybody to hire. Look. You should be so fucking lucky. If you have a chance to get a Windy Pretty, not our Windy Pretty, if you try to take her, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> but a person like that for your production? Yeah. They'll save your life. No kidding. Get it scotthalquist.com for details. Get it Scott Hallquist. Hey, Adam, our next priority one message is from Quinn R. To my future self. Goes like this. Greetings from 2023. Leaving a time capsule for my future self. Currently, I've binged up to season three of the DS9 run. My feelings about the podcast thus far can only be compared to when a little piece of dried up hand sanitizer gets stuck in the pump and it ejaculates all over my shirt. That is to say, quite embarrassing, yet somewhat also satisfying. That is so specific. Yeah. Quinn, don't feel embarrassed, just feel satisfied. The embarrassment is ours to experience. When, like, dirty hands in the sink. (laughs) Needing soap. (laughs) I got to clean them. 
<laughs> this happens all the time to me. That membrane inside the soap nozzle, it wants to shoot at my pants. Mm-hmm. I have this problem. I mean, it's. I'm not saying it's not relatable. I'm just saying that, like, Quinn. The one thing Quinn you doesn't can't do is make things worse. If you're soap, what are you doing? Yeah, but, but like, Quinn doesn't have to go to, like, meet his significant other's friends and tell them what they do for a living. I fucking hate that. I do the right thing. I'm using soap. And it's making me dirtier. Right, but, again, not as embarrassing as being, like, my full-time job. It's a Star Trek podcaster and... I don't even really make that much money doing it. <laughs> I quit a different, better career for this. <laughs> it's hard to imagine sometimes. <laughs> like, you know what's great? You know what the meme is for Greatest Gen? Is like the car sliding into the off-ramp. Mm. That's like, uh, <laughs> will not support your family. <laughs> <laughs> Seems at the time it would be a good idea financially. Mm-hmm. It's not. No. <laughs> ben, our final priority one message. And I want to say, priority one messages go a long way in supporting this show. And we really appreciate them. Final one. Is that really true, Adam? I mean, FODs are doing what they can. FOD is like... For some reason, this is from Ben and Adam, and it's to Zach from before. What the fuck? Their message goes like this. Thank you, Ben and Adam, for your encouragement. W slash R slash T. Leaving my tech job to pursue my values. Wow. Today, I accepted an offer to work in my public library's makerspace, helping folks of all ages create things with pre-replicator technology. Maybe I'll even encounter FODs making their own com badges and isolinear chips. Can't wait for the Denver live show. Dang, it's Zach from before. It's going to be at the Denver live show. Is Zach the guy? I don't think Zach's the guy. Is Zach him? I don't think that... Is he him? Come on. Zach from before is not library material. Zach, I dream about doing what you're doing. Yeah, that sounds cool as hell. Leaving something that is uh, ruining your financial life. (laughs) (laughs) Choosing something better as Mm. a result. Mm. Look, friends of DeSoto, Priority One messages are a great way to support the production of the show. I really want to encourage you to do one at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Yeah, no kidding. Personal messages are a hundred bucks. Promotional messages are an insane two hundred dollars. You can promote something for two hundred dollars. That's it. Do you have any idea how broad our audience is? Do you have any idea how much it costs a company that is booking ads on our show? Like the delta between promotional message and ad on our show staggeringly big. And yet, going broke doing this. <laughs> it's insane. But 
you have a special opportunity right now. There's there's lots of inventory open for P1s. Get in on the P1s before we have to stop doing this show. Usually the P1s booked out many months in advance. Right now, P1s wide fucking open. Go go sick. Hey Ben, what's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I'm gonna give it to Echeb for the hubris of thinking. Hey, Egypt! What's up with your hubris? You just think because you noticed one detail about what the Bassard collectors don't emit, you get to go to sleep and not be afraid of ghosts and things that go bump in the night? One thing about my job is I really know the general health of the ship through the thickness of the sludge I'm mopping. You ever hear about how they, like, figure out where there's a lot of COVID-19 by testing the sewer? I test for everything! I'm a first responder with a mop! Egypt is my drunk Shimoda. How about you? Egypt's hard to beat. However, Neelix is the main storyteller here. Mm -hmm. Do you think Neelix does a good job? I don't think he does a great job. He's good with... Is Neelix good with kids? I think that there is something cool about telling spooky stories to kids. There's a moment... There's several moments in this episode where it feels like Neelix knows. Like, he has that self-awareness where he's like, I know these kids fucking hate me. (laughs) I know no one trusts me to tell a good story. And yet, here I am. Yeah. And I'm doing it. And I think that's what makes him the Shimoda to me. Like, he's field promoted to storyteller and he does fine. And he seems to be okay with that. Yeah. Neelix, drunk Shimoda. He's a very drunk Shimoda. Yeah. Persistently. Ben, we are on square 100 of the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. We've made it. This has been a Mornhammered episode. It sure has been, Adam. Let me pull up the uh, fucking thing and yeah, you, do the fucking shit. It's hard to believe we finally made it to the top. A uh, couple of false starts up until now. Yeah, but, you know. You finally got what you didn't want, <laughs> which is the Mornhammered episode. Yeah. Ben... Our next episode, we're recording right after this one. Literally? <laughs> Literally. Right after this episode, a, a soft mourn hammered, if you will, is the next episode. What's it going to be? The next episode, Adam, is season six, episode 26. The final episode of season six, Unimatrix Zero, part one. Captain Janeway faces her biggest battle yet against the Borg. Assimilation. That's it? Assimilation is the battle? Yeah. Huh. Well, that's that's the description of the battle anyways. All right. That's it. End of season six. We're we're here. We're here. But how will we be here, Adam? (laughs) For that, we will have to turn... Think about that every morning when I wake up. ...to our beloved board game that has only steered us wrong 
this one time. Did the makers of the board game hate us or love us? Um, I think they, I think they like us. Like they made us like a whole app, you know, for free. Yeah. That usually costs money. This is the week after Halloween. Hmm. Feeling spooked? <laughs> too spooked, too furious. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Ben, roll that bone. See what happens. We've we've only got one possible crazy outcome. They're mostly good. We have rolled a five. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. And I really appreciate the studio audience here holding their gasps and just being generally like dead silent the entire time that we've been doing this. Yeah. Uh, the five has landed us on square five, which is a regular episode. How about that? But you know, you and I, Ben, and all, also the friends of DeSoto in the live studio audience, mm-hmm. we're going to be riding out this buzz through the next episode. It's going to be good. It's going to be kind of a 0.5 Mornhammered episode Yeah. for the next episode. A freebie. Uh, a half freebie. A free Mornhammered. And, uh, you know, like this is this is going so great here at the end of the episode that I think people are really going to be looking forward to that. It's also going to be a Code 47, so you'll be able to watch what Ben and Adam look like in this frame of mind. Can't believe we agreed to this. Sign up for our YouTube. Hit subscribe on that. And uh, hey, let's do some thank yous. We got to thank Wendy Pretty, the producer and editor of this program, who I'm sure has suffered quite a bit to get through this edit to get it to you today. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, sorry. Thank you also to Adam Ragusia, the music maker of our show, the uh, the food maker of our lives. Yeah, it's true. He makes uh, great food and teaches you how to do it over on his YouTube channel. I think the thing that really sold me on his YouTube channel all the way back in the day is that it is not really like a, here is a recipe, here is how you make it. It is a like, here is a kind of thing I like to cook. Here is an approach that I take to cooking it. And you are going to learn a lot about the kind of thought process behind why you cook a thing the way you cook it along the way yeah and uh it's a great resource for anybody that is curious about food adam ragusi is great he really is hey we gotta thank the great bill tilly the card daddy who uh runs our social media accounts at greatest trek uh on all the social media platforms if you'd like to send something in for a future code 47 slide into those dms and bill will uh consider what you've got as a as a potential thing we really appreciate him for being the screener between us and the glitter bill visited the white house with us was briefly detained and imprisoned Mm -hmm. for reasons we don't know or understand yeah but uh but made it out in one piece and uh, appreciate that is back on the social media front lines for us yeah unwilling or unable to tell us why With that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where Ben and Adam are on camera showing off that decolletage. Mm. Make it so. Make it so. Mm. Looks great. Make it so. Make it so. Captain, 
Jeffrey's tubes. I love them. Mmm. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.